Shall we take a word of prayer? Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the miracle of the forgiveness of sins. We ask that may Christ alone be exalted in our midst. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank God for this opportunity and we thank Him that we are able to meet again. We never want to take for granted the gift of life and what I like to personally call the miracle of forgiveness of sin. So we have new our study on who told you. And this is the part four. Who told you? The part four. And we're looking at dreams and vision. Dreams and vision. But before I proceed, I would like to add something I left out in last week's discussion. We're talking about the rhema. I spoke about an indirect means by which the Holy Ghost speaks to us or by which the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And I think I need to add that one voice that the Holy Spirit uses to communicate to us is the voice of our pastors or the voice of those who have spiritual authority. And a common biblical example can be seen in Samuel and Eli when God was calling Samuel. He called three times. And Samuel thought it was the voice or it was Eli who was calling him. Calling him sounded like the voice of Eli. Because if it was a female voice, I don't think someone would have rushed to Ellie saying, were you calling me? If it was a female voice, he would have thought that somebody had entered into the temple. If it was a voice that didn't sound familiar, he would have thought that it's a stranger who had come. He would have rather run to Ellie and say, oh, Ellie, there's a around. But he went and he said, Ellie, were you the one calling me? That means that the voice who called him sounded like the voice of Ellie. And it's one means by which the Holy Spirit communicates to us. Maybe your pastor has a particular phrase he likes saying about giving or about bodily kindness. And maybe your neighbor comes to ask something from you. Maybe you need um, iron and you don't want to give it to him. Then you hear your pastor or the voice of your pastor speaking to you that let bodily love continue. You may not necessarily hear the scripture, but you can hear your pastor as, as though your pastor is talking to you. So that's an important way. So all those who belong to churches and everybody should belong to churches. And everybody should have people in his life that is subject to spiritually. And most often than not, God uses these people or this voice, if I should say, to speak to you. We want to continue our study on dreams and vision. We have looked at the characteristics of God's voice, the rima and the graphene. And I should add that the graphene and the rima can be likened to a map and a tour guide. If you have the opportunity to go to maybe a safari or a tour in a jungle, if I should say, but you may not have the required skills to read the map accurately. So I'm sure you have watched movies like people are hunting for treasure, who's experienced in map reading. So that map reader or that experienced person is likened to the Holy Spirit and the map can be likened to the graphene. So we need both the map and the tour guide in our walk. So we need both the graphene and the Holy Spirit to navigate us in this life. So now, as I said last week, the rima and the graphene are the primary ways that God speaks to us. They are the first line of communication between God's children. So today we want to look at, we are starting the secondary, if I should say, the secondary channel by which God speaks to us. And we have mainly two of them. You have dreams and visions, 
and we have prophet. God willing, next week we look at prophet and prophetism. But tonight we are looking at dreams and vision. So we'd like to take our opening scripture from Job chapter 33, the verse 14 to the verse 16. We're using this scripture mainly for our discussion. And I read, For God speaks once in the vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth unto men, in slumberings upon the bed, then he opens the ears of men and sealeth the instruction. Now let's look at Psalm 62 verse 11 just to buttress our point. Once he has spoken, twice have I heard, there's the A part. God speaks once, if I should say, but we end up hearing it more than once. It's as though the same word that God has spoken to us comes at us at different places, at different forms, through different people and scenarios. Taking a scenario or taking a story of God, when God gave Moses the law, and Moses gave it to the Israelites. God instructed them that they should write the law on the lengths of their doorposts. They should write it on their foreheads, on their arms. And how he delivered them from Egypt. He said that he told the fathers that he should tell their children when they are at the dinner table, when they are going to their farm. Every opportunity they get, their fathers should remind their children about how God delivered them from the hands of Egypt when God parted the Red Sea. So even though it was a one-time event, that same event or that same story is being repeated to the children continually. So it's the same way God comes at us. It's as though God is literally, if I should say, ambushing us with the word. So the Job again, the 33 verse 14 to 67, for once he has spoken, yea, twice, but yet men are unable to perceive it. That is why the same word will literally harass you everywhere you go. It's God's way of catching your attention. And remember, when we we're talking about the characteristics of God's voice, we made mention the voice is repetitive. It's not as if God is saying the thing several times, but the same word, but it has a way or there's a mechanism in the spirit, if I should say where that word comes at you severally and that's one way that god speaks to his people so job is telling us that when god speaks and we are able to perceive it one of the secondary means by which he clarifies his word is through dreams and if you pay closer look of the scripture we read you saw that job referred to dream as the vision of the night as a vision of a night and other places in scripture like Daniel chapter 2 verse 19 dreams are also referred to as the vision of the night we don't want to really go into the definitions and the technicalities of what dreams and visions are but just in plain languages or in plain language sorry dreams is what you see when you are asleep literally even though you can get some vision in your sleep and we will look at it even in Daniel chapter 2 verse 8 there were instances that Daniel in his dream saw a vision. But we don't want to really focus on the technicalities involved in what dreams are and what visions are. But we just want you to appreciate the fact that God can communicate with us through dreams and visions. So I will let Ben come in and take us through how we would like to classify or how we would like to group the different types of vision. There's not a jacket so we know that among different dependent denomination you belong to or the pastor over your life he may have his different category or the different ways he wants to group vision but we have also come up with three ways by which we want to group 
vision. So Ben will take us through that quickly. Okay, so I would be taking us through the three types of visions that we um, discovered in scripture. And as Samdala rightly said, they can be more or less depending on the perspective from which you are looking at them. Okay, so we have basically three kinds of visions. The first one is what we like to call the spiritual vision. The second one, a trance. And the third one is called an open vision. So I will start by defining the spiritual vision. Now, when we say a spiritual vision, or if a vision is spiritual, what we mean is that with such a vision, you see with the eyes of your spirit. So you don't see the vision with your physical, or let me see your naked eye. In Acts chapter 9, verse 4 to 8, Paul's encounter with Jesus Christ. The Bible said that his eyes were closed and he was seeing the vision. Another classical example is also found in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 3. Now we're speaking about Cornelius when he was praying and then he saw a vision of angel of the Lord. Then I would move on to the second type of vision, which is also known as a trance. Now when we talk about a trance, a trance basically speaks of a type of vision whereby your physical senses are suspended. So you are not able to interact in the natural realm. It's like your spirit is out of your body and your physical senses are not active. So an example is found again in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 9 to 11. That was when Peter was praying on the roof of his house. And the Bible said that he fell into a trance and he saw a vision that God showed him about all the animals in the world, yeah. And then also Paul also had a trance in the book of Acts chapter 22, verse 17, when he was also praying. He saw Jesus Christ in that vision. Then the third and the final is what we call the open vision. So with this type of vision, your physical senses are intact. You are able to interact with the natural realm. And you see a vision with your physical, or let me say your naked eye. So an example is what you found in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. That was when the angel of the Lord told Philip to join the Ethiopian image. And then also in the book of Luke chapter 1, verse 28, when an angel appeared to Mary. So they were seeing the angels with their physical eyes. So basically, these are the types of visions that we discovered in scripture. And as we said earlier on, that they can be more or they can be less depending on the perspective with which you are looking at them from. So these are the types of vision. Amen. Okay. Um, thank you. And I know that some people have the belief or the notion that uh, just in the Old Testament because we don't see a lot of dreams happening in the New Testament. So there's thought that like dreams are, if I should say, the version of vision. So it was mainly how God was speaking to the people of old because they didn't have their presence dwelling in them. And even in the birth of Jesus, you know, the New Testament actually started when Jesus 
died and resurrected when the when the Holy Spirit came that's when actually a new testament because every testament begins with the death of the testator but then we know in Joel chapter 2 verse 28 that one of the results of the coming of the Holy Spirit is that people will dream dreams and others will see vision so whether we want to see a dream as a lower version or not that's not really our focus but we should appreciate the fact that if Joel 2 and even Peter confirms it when he said in Acts chapter 2 verse 17 Peter confirmed the same way and he said like it shall come to pass in the last days and I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh so he's talking about the last days that when the spirit comes upon all flesh the young men will see visions and the old men will dream dreams our focus is not on who the old men are or who the young men are but our focus is on the fact that in the last days people would dream or would have dreams now it's important for us to know that there are basically three or you could say four sources of dreams now I'll explain why i'm saying three or four and obviously the first source of dream is god or the holy spirit and throughout the old testament you can see various examples god speaking to pharaoh god speaking to joseph the, the husband of mary God speaking to Joseph, the son of Jacob, so many instances we see God speaking to people through dreams. But another important source of dream that I think we should take note of is in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 3. For it says, for a dream cometh to the multitude of business. That means that you can get a dream as a result of the activities you engage in the day. So like, maybe you, let, let me the most common scenario that I believe most of us have heard of. If two people of the opposite sex are interacting, as a boy and a girl, they keep having frequent interactions. Maybe they always talk to each other, they hang around each other. They are the last, this, or the boy calls the girl the first thing in the morning and the last thing before he sleeps. It, it will not be strange if one day the boy gets a dream seeing a lady and obviously seeing himself marrying the lady that is interested in the lady. So at that instance, he should not say that it is God that is literally telling him to marry the lady. There's this funny story of, of a man, a young man who was in Bible school, and he looked like, or according to his mate, they could perceive, if I should say, that he's the next big thing in town. So there were three ladies in the Bible school with him who all had cash on this guy. Apparently, on the graduation day, they all came to him, not at the same time, though. As old oh, brother, hey, I had a dream that we are supposed to get married. And that the Lord was showing me how we would do ministry together, how we would impact lives, how you'd be preaching and I'll be singing, you know, those things. Then the other one also came. Oh, brother, hey, I had a dream and I was supposed to be the welfare head of your church. You're supposed to do the ministry together. Whilst you are, whilst you are ministering to the spiritual needs of the people, I'll be ministering to their physical needs. Then the third lady also came. Oh, brother, hey, yeah, I saw the Lord show me in a dream that we are getting married. And once we be preaching, once we be doing the deliverance and the healing session, I'll be doing the preaching and the teaching and the prophesying session. So all these three ladies claim that God told them in a dream that Brother A is for them. But as you could assume, obviously it's not true. Brother A and her mind, somebody totally different. So what these ladies failed to recognize was that due to their, if I should say, their crash or their frequent interaction with this brother, they took it to their dreams. And it's very important that we acknowledge this fact. I don't know if any of you have had that, that experience. Mostly when we were young, you know those days, we had those Nigerian movies. 
very scary ones. I don't know if you remember any of them, but I think there was one called Karishika. It was very scary. I don't know why. I had the opportunity to look at it recently and there was nothing scary about it. But I used to see a lot of those strange things in my dream. And it would be wrong on my part to say that the devil you are in is just because of what or the multitude of my business during the day. That's what I took to bed. So it's important that we know that sometimes your interaction, mostly your frequent interaction, almost the last thing you do before you go to bed, it's likely that you will take it in a dream or you see flashes of such events in a dream. So at this point, I would like to interject this and say that it's very advisable that if you have the opportunity, if you are in a room by yourself, to sleep with godly music on. It's very important, especially those of us who don't really have two good dreams. Try and sleep with music on or try and sleep with a sermon on. I think it's a factor that some of us should pick up. That was just by the way. Now the third and the obvious source of dreams can be the devil or our flesh. And that can be seen in Jude chapter 1 verse 8. Jude has only one chapter, so we mostly say Jude 8. But so it's Jude chapter 1 verse 8. which says that likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh they despise authority and they speak evil of dignity he's talking about a group of people and he said that these people they defile themselves by the dreams they have and obviously these dreams are not god or these dreams are not inspired by god neither are they inspired by their activities by their thoughts that the devil gives to them so we also see in first Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 that in the last days people shall give heed to doctrines or teachings of demons and one of the ways these things happen is through dreams so there are many movies and books and music that were inspired by demonic encounters it's a reality that is out there and people go to sleep and they have strange interactions in their dreams and they come out of the dream and they write books on it and they write music or they sing or they write some songs on it or they act movies about it that is why as a believer we should really check the songs we listen to, the books we read, and the movies we watch. Because some of them are really inspired from the devil. So, these are the three main sources of dreams. Three or four. And the fourth one can be the flesh. The flesh or the devil are quite similar, if I should say. Those who are out of the spirit mind the things of the spirit. But those who are out of the flesh are carnally minded. So there's, and you know from Genesis that the serpent was scarce to feed on the dust, which is where man was made from. So our flesh became the, if I should say, the food of the devil. So the devil preys on our lust, preys on our desires as his food. So that's why I'm saying that depending on how you want to um, group it, whether the devil or the flesh, they are both the same. Now, the dreams we get, they can either be clear dreams or they can be ambiguous, but they are not quite certain. And you could see from when God was directing Joseph, I don't think the dreams were ambiguous because when Joseph woke up, he knew that, oh, he was supposed to go to Bethlehem or go to Egypt. So the dreams were quite clear. So that was one issue. But I think the main issue is dreams that are not really clear. As we a dog is chasing you or you are getting married or you are this. That is why I think most of us have issues with. So I would just like to take us to some few points on how to go your way or how to go about certain activities. And we want to learn certain things from Joseph and Daniel. And if we talk about dreams, Joseph and Daniel in the Old Testament were two people that had a lot of dreams. And through some statements they made, it gives us an indication 
of how to interpret dreams or how to go about dreams. And the first one I want us to take note about dreams and visions is now I'm talking about those that are not very clear, those are quite ambiguous. Maybe you are seeing yourself, you are dancing a ball, or maybe an animal was chasing you or something. You know, you don't really you can't really make head or tail of what the dream is about. So we want to just take some few notes from Joseph and Daniel about how to go about dreams that are not very clear. And the first one I want us to take note is from Daniel chapter 2, verse 9. You know the king had a dream and he forgot his dream. And he told the wise men and the enchanters and the magicians that I've had a dream, but I've forgotten the dream. So you tell me the dream and give me the interpretation of the dream. And he made a very interesting comment in the verse 9. He said something that, I know that you people, you want to lie to me. So if I tell you the dream, you people can just put your heads together and come up with a strange interpretation of the dream. This is giving a hint that there are true and there are false interpretations of dreams. It may sound simple because some of us have become prey to false interpretation of dreams. So we should have in mind that when you get an interpretation of a dream, it is not always 100% that it is true. Because whether you accept it or not, there are people who lie. And there are people who claim to hear from God when they have not heard from God. And you may meet this person, or you may have someone like this, and you tell him your dream, give wrong interpretation, and you can base your whole life on the person's interpretation. It's very important that we understand that there are false interpretations of dreams. If time would permit me, I would share an example. But I want to go to Joseph from Genesis chapter 40. Let's take some few notes about how to go about dreams that are not very clear. And you know, Joseph was in prison. He was in prison with um, the baker of the king and the cup bearer or the butler of the king. And you know, one day, both of them had, or both on the same night, they all had dreams. Now listen to what the verse 5 says, Genesis 40 verse 5. It says, And they dreamed a dream, both of them. Each man is dreamed in one night. Each man according to the interpretation of his Let me use a quite simpler version so that my point to be evident. It says that both of these men, the cupbearer and the baker, who were held in prison, had a dream on the same night. And each, and each dream had its own meaning. The second thing I want us to note about dreams is that don't compare dreams or don't compare your dream to somebody else's dream. So let's take this example. Maybe your friend had a dream and she was in a wedding gown. And the meaning of the dream was that she's about to get married. And maybe a few days later, you also get a similar dream that you were in a wedding gown. Don't base the meaning of your dream on what the meaning of her dream was. Maybe for her, it meant that she's about to get married. But for you, it may not be the same thing. Nobody's dream is a gold standard by which we judge dreams. People have written books on how to interpret dreams. That if you see this, it obviously means this. I would advise any child of God to succumb to such things. Each dream has its own meaning. It's from Genesis chapter 40, verse 5. The next thing I want us to look about interpreting dreams and be found in the verse 8. It says, we both had dreams, they replied, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, does this interpretation belong to God? This is the next thing I want us to note about dreams. 
It is God who has the interpretation. I don't know if I should say it's because of the laziness among believers. Most believers to rely on people for their own spiritual progress. Now, Joseph is telling us interpretation of dreams belongs to God. So if you have a dream that is not clear and you want the interpretation, who are you to go to? Go to God. Most of us have the attitude of pray for me, do this for me. Everything we want to leave our spiritual burden on people. And that's one of the things that is killing many believers, especially in our era. We like to relegate our duties as believers to other people. Jesus is telling us that interpretation belongs to God. And as long as you have a relation with God, nothing stops you from going to God in prayer and seeking the meaning of the dream. Now, this is not to say that do not talk to anybody else. No. Because the Bible clearly tells that in a multitude of counselors, there is it. But it doesn't mean that this should be your primary source. Because I've, I've, I've had so many of such experiences. I'm just there, somebody gave me a text. I had a dream. This is what I saw. What does it mean? And I'm like, sweetheart, I don't know what the dream means. And if I tell the person that, oh, pray about it, I also pray about it. And we would compare notes. I check up on a person a week's time and the person didn't pray about it. I'm like, it was your dream. Be responsible for it. But most people want to sit back and let people do their job for them. And I think this is one of the things that is leading many believers the wrong way. Learn to bear the responsibility of your spiritual growth. That is why the Bible calls us kings and priests. Priests are, or a priest is somebody who mediates between God and people. And because of what Jesus has done for us, because of the work of Jesus, everybody who has expressed faith in Jesus now becomes a priest. In other words, you have the right to access God. So even Romans tells us that, I think Romans 5 verse 1, let me quickly read it. Romans 5 verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Now the verse 2 is saying that through whom we have gained access by faith. So because of Jesus, we have access to God. So if the interpretation is belong to God, Christ has given us access. So believers, learn to go first. Learn to go to God first because interpretation of dreams belong to God. I really want to emphasize on this point. And as long as you are in Christ, you have what I also like to call the gift of access. So let's continue. What else? So we have learned that there are false interpretation of dreams. Different dreams have different meanings. Interpretation belongs to God. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 40. Let's go to the verse 41. Now Joseph is talking to Pharaoh. And Joseph makes a very interesting comment in Genesis 41 verse 16. Now Joseph says, I myself cannot do it. That means that I myself or I cannot by myself interpret your dream. So, so and Joseph answered and said, it is not in me. God give, or God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And I think Joseph, Joseph was in a spirit when he made this statement. God would give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Remember we talked about this in our first episode. Learn to subject every interpretation or dream you have to the inner peace of God inside of you. It's very important. Now, 
in the verse 26, you know that Pharaoh had two different dreams on the same night. One was about seven cows, and one was about about grain of corn. And there were seven big cows and seven slim cows. Then you also saw grains. One were ripe and baked, the others were slim. And Joseph said that these dreams, even though they were different dreams, they had the same meaning. So God was repeating to Pharaoh the meaning or the information that he wanted to communicate to him. So I think from the verse 25, and Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. That was a part of the book. So Genesis 41 verse 25, the dream of Pharaoh is one. You know, Pharaoh told Joseph the dream he had, and there were two different dreams. And he said that even though the dreams were different, the meaning is one. This also teaches us that God can give us two different dreams, but it can have the same meaning. That is why I said that do not use somebody's interpretation of dreams or somebody's interpretation of the dream he had as the standard to judge your dream. Because just as God can give two different dreams with the same meaning, he can give the same dream with different meaning. So please don't use anybody's dream as a standard judge your dream. So I must also admit that there are people that have dreams frequently, or there are people that God uses dreams to confirm what he has told them, either through the graphene or through the rhema. That is when God tells them directly. I remember when I was in secondary school, I was an executive in a Christian fellowship. And whenever I've been handing over, whenever I was, I was an executive for two years, I remember my first time when I was an executive and we were handing over, you would submit a name of the person you want to hand over to. And I would sit there and everybody would tell me that, oh, God says hand over to brother A, go to brother B. And I asked them, how did God tell you? And they're like, oh, they just, they just saw themselves in their dream and they, were so, they saw themselves putting their sash over this person, over this person, or they saw themselves giving their sash to this person, meaning that is the person they're supposed to hand over. So I remember I used to pray that, God, who am I supposed to hand over to? And I didn't get any dream. <laughs> the second year, to when I was handing over to the same thing, everybody was sharing. God showed me this person a dream. God showed me this person a dream. But me, I didn't get any dream. And you can even see the scripture. It was not everybody that was a dreamer, if I should say. I don't even know if David had a dream. I, I can't remember correctly. But I don't remember any passage of scripture talking about God communicating to David through a dream but you can know the likes of Joseph and Daniel. So it's not everybody who God will use dreams as a secondary means of communication. So let's also take note of that. But the fact that the person um, receives a lot of dreams from God doesn't necessarily make the person an expert in dreams. So that is why you should learn to go to God directly for interpretation. Then when as a tertiary, if I should say, because the primary will be the inner witness as the graphic and the rima. The dream from God to you could be would be the secondary um, means. And as a tertiary, in quotes, would be either experienced or either matured believers in Christ. So after you have got your interpretation of dream, then you can ask other matured believers for their opinion. Then you try and judge it with what God has given you. A common scenario. Let's say you have a dream and a dog is chasing you. I think it's a, it's a, it's a common dream. So what do you do about it? You would take it to God in prayer. Now, what do we mean by this? You would pray. You pray to God. God, is this dream from you? What does it mean? 
So you'll be praying about it. Sometimes you can get, I like to have a cool music worship song at the back when I'm praying. Then you'll be thinking through the dream as you pray. I don't know if you, if you listen carefully. When you know, that, that scripture, he was praying and he fell asleep. Then he saw a trance. Then after he had a trance, he was contemplating what the meaning of the trance was. Then the Holy Ghost spoke to him and said that some men are coming when they can follow him. So this is what we are supposed to do. After we have a dream, we are supposed to contemplate on it in prayer. Now, so the example I gave, seeing a dog chasing you, maybe as you are praying, then God can now be teaching you using the graphene. So God can be drawing your mind to certain scriptures about dogs. So God can draw your mind to what Paul says that beware of dogs. So God is teaching you something. And you can go to when Jesus was talking about um, the Syrophoenician woman who did a miracle and said that it's not right to give that which belongs to children to dogs. You know? And the woman said that it is true. But even the dogs eat off the crumbs from what the children eat. So he's giving you an idea of what dogs are biblically. And you see another example of when I think Job, when he was being buffeted by by the devil. And when the dogs came to lick him. So as I pray, what does it mean when I'm seeing a dog chasing me? God can be linking you to scriptures about dogs. And God can then give you, and is the ministry of the Holy Ghost. He can start putting things together. He can start putting scriptures together. And he can give you an idea of what the dream meant. As you are praying along, then drawing your mind. Remember, it's a secondary means. So it means that God has told something because you're unable to perceive it. Remember in Job 33, we read it. For God speaks once, yea, twice, yet man perceives it not. So then in a dream, then God will come. And God will now begin to draw your mind to things he has been telling you already. But you don't seem to be able to understand it fully. And God can give you light about, appreciate the fact that God can speak to us through dreams and visions. And if the dream or the vision is not clear, consider it prayerfully. It is your responsibility. Get a dream. What does it mean? No, you are being lazy. You are really being lazy. As I gave the scenario, you must also have a solid base in the Word of God. It is that which the Holy Ghost will be teaching you things concerning the meaning of your dream. Okay, so I would like to pause here and ask for any question or any contribution concerning dreams and visions from what you have studied so far. Okay, Ben, Ben, um, you can ask the question. Okay, um, please. my question is about how to handle dreams. Uh, when okay. you have a dream, you spoke about how we are supposed to um, interpret them through prayer and then using the rema. But when you look at the story of Joseph, um, after he had the dream, he told it to his brothers and then his parents. Because he told his brothers, um, they used the dream to attack him. Like they knew that he's going to become um, somebody great in future. So they wanted to kill him, which they couldn't succeed. And then they sold him to Egypt. So what if Joseph had kept quiet? Would it have been good for him? Or uh, was it the best idea to tell it to his family members? Or I don't know if you get my question. Yeah, I get the question. So please, does anybody want to attend? How do you handle a dream or a vision?
Okay. Well, we can see that it, it, it's quite interesting. Because I know people have said that, or people have used that scenario to say that we should learn how to keep quiet. It's not everything we should go about saying, and that's very true. But because we know that, and thinking that it was all part of God's plan, or God's agenda, or God's means of carrying out mission. Somebody can argue and say that, oh, maybe God had another way of taking Joseph to Egypt. You know, maybe if um, he didn't say the dream to his, um, to his brothers, God would have found another means of taking him to Egypt and finally becoming the prime minister. Well, that is true, but you should take note that the brothers already were jealous of him because of the special attention his father was giving him. And also, when his father made that rope of many colors, that was one of the things that really provoked the brothers. Because remember, even when he told the family their dream, his father was not even happy about it. His father was like, hey, what do you need? Are you trying to say that even I and your mother shall bow down to you? So even the father didn't even, in quote, respond to the, the, the message properly. But he didn't lead the father to do anything negative to him. So the brothers already had an issue against the, against sorry, against Joseph. So the dream just came to fuel it up, just came to add on. But I don't think it would have it would have changed if Joseph didn't tell the dream. Because I think according to the plan of God, it was it was God's plan that the brothers will hate him, then they will sell him to slavery, and then Pharaoh or Potiphar's wife will lie on him and the rest. But then as a general advice we should careful who we talk to that one is general so even with the interpretation of dreams thank you for raising this point up maybe you have a trusted friend maybe you have a, a matured christian you always go to so maybe you had a dream and you are sensing a particular interpretation but it's not very clear so you just want a third party even with that one you should be sensitive as you are talking to the person or as you are approaching the person because maybe God may not want you to tell the person what the dream is. Because maybe the person would not take it wrong, even though the person may be a mature believer. So let's look at the example of Samuel and Eli. You know when um, God called Samuel three times? And I always make this joke that God came to tell Samuel the Holy Ghost. Up to now, I'm trying to find out why God would just wake Samuel up and tell him that I'm going to punish Eli. It's, it's quite interesting. But you read the following day, Eli asked Samuel, what did God tell you? And Samuel was, was reluctant to talk. But Eli gave him pressure that, tell me what God told you. And finally, Samuel told Eli. Now, if Eli was somebody with evil intentions, Eli could have responded negatively. Eli could have killed Samuel or done something to him that I either want someone to replace me. No, but Eli, because God had already told Eli that because you have overlooked disobedience, of your children, I am going to punish you. So even in who we talk to about our dreams, it's very important that we be sensitive who we approach. Because the person may be a good person, it may not be anything wrong with the person, but God may not want you to approach the person and tell the person the dream you have. That is why we are emphasizing that you should learn to train yourself to be able to receive from God through the graphe and through the rima, because these are the primary means by which God would speak to you. So we should have a healthy respect for dreams and visions. 
and, and, and I should add that sometimes visions come depending on the nature of the information. You know, sometimes some information are very sensitive, but if I should say for the lack of better word, the, the perception or the inner witness or the graphing may not be able to buttress the point God was when God spoke to Peter. You know, Peter was very, if I should say, religious. I think with his Jews, he was a strict Jew. So he knew that there was no way that Jews were allowed to eat animals they considered unclean. That is why it would take God to give Peter a vision, to tell him that whatever I have called clean, do not call unclean. And even with that, he was not referring to the mere eating of food, but he was giving Peter an indication that I'm coming to open the gospel to the Gentile world. I'm coming to open the gospel to the people you consider unclean. And if it was just an inner witness, Peter would have snubbed it like, oh no, it cannot be true. Because of the culture at that time, because of his tradition, which he has so much held on to. So I must remind us that whatever information the dream or the vision is carrying across, we must subject it to the five characteristics of God's voice. And in dreams and vision in particular, the most common one is fear. If a dream instills fear into you, it is not from God. Because fear is not just a mood or a feeling, it is a spirit. So most people who always like to say that, oh, I saw this in my dream, talking about a misfortune or an accident. So you'll be like, oh, I saw it in my dream, and it happened just as I dreamt. No, it didn't happen just as you dreamt. It happened just as you feared. Remember, in Job chapter 3, the verse 25, Job said that that which I feared the most has happened to me. So it gives us an indication that one of the things that was motivating Job to sacrifice to God every morning and evening was not because of his love to God per se, but it says that he was afraid that one of his children might have committed a sin and it might have created an opening into his life by the devil. So he was always constantly offering sacrifice to God out of fear. And finally his fear came to pass. So we should be mindful of the fact that every dream or vision that instills fear is not from God. Is a communication from the devil to you. Learn to do it by yourself. I'm not saying don't follow other believers. You should go to get the assistance of other believers. If you are privileged to have friends who can pray with you, you are blessed. But you should not solely rely on the prayers of other people. You should not solely rely on the interpretation of other people. Because one of the benefits that Christ has given you is the gift of access. You have access to God. And as long as interpretation of dreams comes to God, you have the grace to go before him in prayer and in meditation to seek answer. Don't go about seeking visions. No. You would enter into strange things. Don't be so obsessed about getting the vision from God. No. It is God who decides who he gives the vision to and when he wants to give the vision to. As I said, when I was in essence, I never had a dream or a vision of who I was going to hand over to. But God still communicated to me who I was supposed to hand over to. So we should be careful not to be seekers of vision and seekers of dreams. No. Be seekers of the voice of God. Be seekers of the voice of God. We want to take a word of prayer from our Job scripture. It says that for God speaketh once, yet twice, yet man does not perceive it. Many a time God speaks to us, but we do not hear and sometimes you may not be privileged enough for God to come and speak to you in a dream or a vision. 
we want to pray to God that he will give us a discerning ear for his voice. Many of us, we have become accustomed to the voice of our friends. We have become accustomed to the voice of our families, that we have relegated the voice of God to the background. We want to pray to God to give us the grace for a discerning ear. Jesus, so that he who has an ear, let him hear. Father, we ask for grace in the name of Jesus to always keep an ear and ear for you. May we never miss your promptings. May we never miss your leading. May we never miss your direction for our life. What has told some of us some things, and it has been a year. What has told us, start this thing, do this thing, but some of keep ignoring the voice of God. Just as God was speaking to someone, God called someone three times, and it's still someone was not able to perceive the voice of God. God would have gone, and that would have been the end of someone's ministry. We need to hear from God. Father, grant us the grace to always keep an ear for you. May we never be so busy that we cloud your voice. Never consider the opinions of circumstances above voice. May we never consider the opinion or the voice of friends above your voice. May we always be receptive and see when you speak to us. Father, grant us a listening ear for you. Grant us the grace to always hear from you. For indeed, in us are led by you. They are your sons. Father, we thank you for the privilege to access you. We thank you for the privilege that we can come unto you boldly whenever we are in need of it. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Ghost. And we thank you that we never miss your leading for our life. In the name of our Lord Jesus. God bless you. Hope that you would subject all these things like teaching into practical use. Because the blessing comes in doing the work. Subject dreams to prayer. Subject your vision to prayer. Learn to go to God first and learn to hear from God yourself. God bless you. We'll meet again sometime next week. Bye-bye. Bye.